0: What's up, everybody? Will Vance here. Welcome back to the next episode of the Magnetic Meanings podcast, the show that discusses the meaning behind the words that connect the different players and personalities throughout the music industry. In this week's episode, we are lucky enough to chat with Slade Templeton at Black Octopus Sounds. Slade is their COO, which is just a fancy way of saying that he's the guy in charge of making sure all those awesome samples, packs, and libraries so common in music production get to where they need to be so that you can download them on Splice or Black Octopus's website. But anyways, he's also a lot more than just that. Slade also spent a ton of his early life on tour, both bands and as a touring DJ. He's been working in music for decades, which is long enough to see the music industry change and himself too, which is why there's no better person to bring on the show to talk about the word health than Slade. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how health affects your creativity, how unhealthy habits are easy to pick up when you're younger and difficult as hell to kick when you're older, time management and staying healthy during the rigors of a touring schedule and so much more. Quick shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Point Blank Online. Point Blank is an elite caliber music school with campuses in LA, London, and everywhere else online. If you're looking to step your game up in production and music industry acumen overall, Point Blank is my first and obvious choice. So check out what they do and how they can help you crush your goals this year by heading over to pointblankmusicschool.com. But with that out of the way, let's dive into the word health with Slade Templeton. We are back with a latest episode of the podcast. This time, we have Slade Templeton on, who is the COO, the Chief Operating Officer, over at Black Octopus Sounds. If you're a music producer and involved in that space in any way, shape, or form, I'm sure you've heard about Black Octopus just from their sample packs, uh, production resources, and so much more. And they have a ton of exciting stuff in the pipeline that I'm sure Slade will talk about throughout this episode. Uh, But for now, let's welcome Slade onto the show. What's up, man?
1: Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Yeah, no no problem at all. Uh, how's the day going? How'd the weekend going? It's Monday where we're chatting right now. Um,
1: how's life? It's good. It's really good. I'm I'm new and fresh into the fatherhood thing, which I'm pretty sure you are too. Uh, so you know, we both know how that's going. So a little less sleep than usual. Uh, but yeah, everything's going really well. And I mean, over here in Switzerland, um, not much ever happens. It's pretty neutral as everyone says. So <laughs> not too much going in on the political front or the life front
0: well there we go sometimes it's better to have a to to keep the outside world even keel so you can kind of focus on what matters <laughs> yeah. most which is music kids and making cool sample facts right uh, yeah exactly <laughs> so you know at the end of the day this is magnetic meaning right the show where we talk about the words and the music of the music industry and kind of how they interrelate with each other how they interact with each other uh, so what is the word that you're bringing to the table for this episode
1: well I think um a big part right now in my life is is the word health. And I mean you know this is more on the personal personal front too but also on business. I mean you know in running a company like Black Octopus Sound it's it's something that you really have to take your health into consideration. Um health for yourself, health for your employees, um also for the people that you're doing business with anyhow. You you really have to take that into consideration. So it's it's been a, a long year for me on on some health front for me, which we can talk about in this episode and stuff. But uh, also, yeah, I mean, just health as an artist, health as a producer, you know, anyone in the music industry.
0: Totally. And what what let's just kind of dive into the meat and potatoes of it? Let's dive into the nitty-gritty. What uh why did you want to choose that word specifically? Kind of what's resonating in your immediate life that um made you want to bring this word to the table?
1: Today. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, as we were just talking about being a new father, uh, you care about health even more. You start th- thinking like, you know, I have a purpose here. I'm a, I'm a father of this child now, and I need to make sure I stay alive forever, you know, as if that was possible. But you know, that's, that's where your mind starts going. And, and before having a kid, you're, you're just kind of like wandering aimlessly each day. I mean, a, a lot of the time, you know, you're just working dead end hours. Uh, you're not taking care of what you're even eating, you know, pizza, because you don't have time, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of that started to change for me. And, and then coincidentally, uh, the kind of double edged sword on this was that I, I end up finding out that I have lupus, which is an autoimmune disease, uh, not long after my baby was born. Uh, so, you know, it was a, a flip flop for me. It was like, OK, now I want to I want to be here for her. I want to make sure I'm super healthy. I'm not going to overwork. I'm not going to be overstressed. I need to, you know, be balanced and good for her. And um, then next thing you know, I end up getting getting lupus. Uh, which, which sucks. And it can kill you if you don't get on the right meds and stuff. So uh, the good news is that meds have been working for me, they started me on it now for a few months, and um, I'm doing a lot better. But the biggest thing that really changed my life is just seeing work and um, seeing how that impacts health. And also seeing just how you overwork and you're over over calibrating yourself to just do too much each day. It literally with an autoimmune disease can can put you in the hospital. And I was in the hospital a couple times over the the fall months from that reason. So
0: um and you know so I know a, a little bit about you. You know we've been we've been friends for a, a couple of years now I think or so. Yeah, yeah. And you years, did yeah. yeah and you did spend some time as a touring musician actively touring, right? Like really nose yeah. to the grindstone in yeah. the trenches yeah. doing it. Um that was I don't know 10 years ago, 15 years ago or something you said. How did you approach your health back then? Back when you were like, you know, a touring musician doing the actual uh, active part of, of the music industry yeah. full time.
1: Well, I, I mean, I was a touring DJ internationally. I was, I was in a group called defunct and people that were back in the fidget house days might remember us. Um, yeah. We we were one of the pioneers of this sound. Uh, so the thing is we we were pushing a new sound. We're touring around the world and it was flight after flight. And really with me, I went opposite of health. I ended up not being able to get myself under control. I ended up partying too hard Um, I was just completely out of my mind really. Um, I didn't know where I was half the time because I was just flight after flight. I mean, you'd be in one country and then you go in the next, and really the only way you knew where you were was because you could tell by the language. Um, it was it was very unique. You know, you'd be in Russia and then you'd be in Europe and then you'd be in South Africa. And I mean, it was it was exhausting. And I did not make the right decision at the time to take care of myself. Instead, I just partied my way through the tour circuit. And it did take me to my knees, you know, and in 2013, I almost died from this whole scene. Um, You know, and that that also made me recalibrate. I was like, Okay, uh, I need to get sober here. So I went sober. And that was in 2013. I then took a year off from touring. And I went back on tour in 2015, uh, with the UK tour with the same project as a DJ. And then it was totally different. It was like, totally weird, because you go from like, 10 years of touring internationally, just totally out of your mind to suddenly being extremely sober. And not only that, but being like years older than everyone there, that was the other weird thing. I felt like the sober grandpa, like it was like, (laughs) you know, I was like granddad Slade sitting there on stage. And I mean, I, I really noticed actually in 2016, I was on my last tour day in New York and I was playing at Webster hall and, um, we, I get done with the show and the other guy that was headlined above me, he he was much younger than me and I realized the whole fan base there was extremely young no one even knew who I was anymore actually you know we we're we we're the old scene from 2006 2007 2008 and now bass house came in and bass house essentially was doing the same sound we were known for a fidget house just a little less less wobbly a little less you know cut vocals um it was it was a little more straightforward with bass house um, which I love bass house. And we started doing some bass house, you know, but the kids were coming like, what kind of bass house is this? And I started realizing real fast, like, we're too old for this shit. <laughs> so um, I, I called my wife at the time in 2016 from the hotel room after the gig, and I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I was like, I just don't know. I don't I don't feel it the same way as I did, and it's not because I'm sober now, but it's literally because I feel like I'm just I've grown out of it. That's what I felt. And um immediately you know, she said, if you're, if you're going to quit, just do it. You know, you've been talking about it for a year. So I immediately got on the phone. I fired my manager, immediately got on the phone, fired my booking agent, immediately got on the phone told my label, we're not doing the new release and we just quit. And that's when I stopped turning as a DJ. But then I picked up with my band Crime vessel and we still tour, um, which is a live scene and um, health wise with that is way easier. I will be a hundred percent honest uh, to be healthy in the rock scene. Uh, it, it, people always think of rock stars as the druggy ones and honestly if you come from the dj circuit and the party culture and the party scene and the rave scene i can safely tell guns and roses and rolling stones and all these guys that you know you don't even know <laughs> you don't even know what a party scene is you know i mean the dance culture is just a, a whole different level of of party i mean you're making music for a party right that's the thing when you hit the studio with with rock music or with a different genre like that you're you're not uh, some genres are i mean some styles and some artists but you're not you're not hitting the studio going man i need to make something that's going to make people go out and just get messed up too nah but you know you start getting into the party scene as a dance producer and then you're like i need people you know they're just going to be dancing their ass off for the next 10 hours you know that's a different different process you know <laughs> so
0: um and so how did how did the especially during like your touring days when you were just like you know. Falls to the wall, partying the whole time. How, in reflection, now that you're 15 years, 10 years outside of that, how do you see that that was a, a for, How do you see those? How do you view those as formative years on how you approach health now as a you know as a dad and a DJ granddad <laughs>
1: to this? Yeah. Well, it taught me, first off, to have a lot of respect for the artists and DJs and touring artists out there that are staying sober and keeping on top of it. And I mean, you see people like Steve Aoki and the bigger names and you, you know, they're hitting the gym every morning. They're doing these things that, and they talk about it. He talks about it. You know, a lot of the big names talk about how you just need to, it's like doing a, a marathon. And I mean, that is exactly right. And in hindsight, I could have been doing more of that. My marathon was, you know, how many drinks can I have? You know, not, you know how many miles can I run before my show? So, um, you know, in hindsight, I I see that this was the wrong decision then, but what it's done for me now is it's made me really respect sleep. <laughs> First off, like my sleep is is a treasure to me now. I also really love mornings because usually I was just going to bed or going to catch a flight. As anyone else listening to this, it's a producer knows or a DJ, um, you know, those early AM flights so the promoters can save some money. And then, um, you know, there's, there's just a view of in the music industry too. I like to be the the background guy. I like it. I I, I am a co-owner of a multi-platinum studio here in Switzerland uh, called influx studios. And um, that's also my side, you know, my side job along with, with uh, black octopuses. I'm a record producer and being the back background guy, what I'm able to do now with the bands I'm producing is say, this is how it is on stage. I know personally how it was. So when I'm producing their album, I know where they're going to go with it. I know where they're going to end up as a touring artist. And to feel the stage as a record producer and feeling that either healthy or unhealthy lifestyle, however you live it, you get a vibe and you get an emotion that's in the studio to project into their music to know how their fans are going to react in that way. And as a record producer, I, I believe every record producer that's, you know, able to get on stage at least a little bit um, you know, should do that. And, and you know, even if it's unhealthy for a while, but to learn how to find health in the music industry, um, it's a growing pain. But it's worth it. You know, it's worth it for yourself. It's worth it for the, the uh, colleagues around you. And it's worth it for your artists you're working with.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I understand that that's not going to be the same answer for everyone, right? Much like anything in music, right? You kind of have yeah. to figure out what works for you and the, it, nothing in this industry is templatized or anything. Yeah, but if, you yeah. Ha- but if you have, do you have any insights or any like, you know, uh, reflections on how people can better find that sort of balance and where where to look to find the right balance uh, for them personally or any insights that, on that front?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one because I've met a lot of people in the industry, for instance, as as you just talked about, everyone's different. Um, I have a lot of friends that are in the industry that have to smoke weed to get in the studio, stuff like that. And I understand, you know, I mean, some of that that's therapy. It's like having a meditation before hitting the studio, this kind of thing. I was always opposite. So like my view on it is different. It was when I when I knew I had a problem was when I started to use to go into the studio. Mm-hmm then I knew I had an issue going on here because I, I always was like, I have to be sober when I'm writing music. I have to be 100% sober, even when I was full-blown touring and partying. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to align with people that do feel that they need to smoke some weed or get drunk or whatever to write some music. But I will say that if you can make your inspiration your drug and you make the actual core source of what's inspiring you to do that music your drug, then it will make it so much easier to stay healthy and stay away from just kind of running yourself into the ground. And you find a source in in yourself that's not easy to put to words, and it's not easy to really understand in, in, our, in our view of life and the universe. It's something ethereal. It's something that you can't even touch. It's like the inspiration comes out, and it kind of projects into the system or your doll or whatever, and you start to produce music that's really kind of telling you how you feel at that moment. And to me, that's that's way cooler than any drug. It's and and once you find that that's cooler, you know, it's going to keep you straight. It's going to say, okay, that's my inspiration. That's my goal. You know, to get this song done, get it to the label. It's you know, it's easier to stay healthy that way.
0: Yeah, totally. But I feel like all that's also easier said than done, right? Because it's a total, yeah. it's a total shift in. Uh, in, especially if someone like needs weed to, to make make music or, you know, needs to have a beer or, you know, a shot or whatever to get in the studio, right? It's a, that's a hard switch up to all of a sudden just be like, I just need the music to be my drug, man.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Did you have any moments that that were like like that? Or do you have any advice on how to like, you know, make such a drastic shift? Because again, it sounds really easy, but I, I think in yeah. practice, um, because I'm the same way. I don't, I, you know, maybe I'll have a glass of wine while I'm producing late night yeah, or something. Yeah. But other than that, I kind of shy away from all of it.
1: But, but one um, thing that made it easier for me was I I hate losing my high frequencies and I know whenever I would even drink a couple beers, you know how it is, you go yeah. into the studio show your friends and I can't hear the sound the same. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. makes it really hard on me, but not everyone's going to be like that. People can hear things better sometimes when they're high, you know. Um so everyone's brains different. And I mean, when we go back to health, you know, like mental health and stuff, I mean, I I, I you know, this is you know, you can be healthy and still use and still use the drug. I'm not saying that you're unhealthy. If you're doing that, that's not at all what I'm saying and to each their own, you know? So, I mean, I'm not going to at all say that I'm saying that I had to crash and burn to figure out where I was unhealthy. And, you know, if someone's not going to crash and burn, they're probably not so unhealthy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's a certain layer to that, you know?
0: Totally. Totally. And I think also it helps put, to put things into perspective. I think I was talking about the same thing with someone else on the podcast a couple months ago, but like, as I've gotten older, my my I've prioritized health so much more as well. Just because, especially with the kid and everything like that, but like you just don't bounce back, and your body can't take as much um, <laughs> of punishment in your thirties as you can in your twenties, right?
1: Two beer hangover. Yeah
0: the, yeah. Uh and and so that's kind of helped keep me on the on the straight and narrow too, right? Just because yeah. um you know because I just I I need more sleep to function. I yeah, wake up more hungover with less drinks yeah. and stuff like that, but I think it's a it's a dangerous trap to fall into um getting establishing unhealthy habits in your 20s because it's too easy to assume that you can keep up those habits. Uh, forever or that if you start is a
1: great input yeah
0: or if you think if you start a habit or a ritual let's say to use the words that you said it's like if you all of a sudden start a ritual that you need to be doing one two or three kind of vices we can call them vices because you know if it's maybe it's not unhealthy if you're just taking taking a puff or something like that but like uh, and it might work in your 20s But then all of a sudden, your body starts slowing down, for lack of a better term, in your 30s. And then you can't perform – you can't do your creative stuff without relying on the vices from a previous decade. All of a sudden, you're setting yourself up uh, for an uphill battle. Not for failure because some people can totally manage to do it and some people thrive still in it. But it's, it's definitely an uphill battle for the majority, I would assume, of people.
1: That's awesome input, man. That is so spot on. Yeah. You're chasing um, that dragon.
0: Chase, yeah, <laughs> chasing the dragon for sure. Um, and so kind of, kind of moving on too, right? Because um, you talked about touched upon mental health, and especially you talked about you know using creativity as as a drug to uh, instead of you know vices or you know whatever. Um, let's just yeah, let's just chat chat about that for a bit. How, how do you, how, how's your career now and your transition from DJing and touring kind of full-time into being more of the background person, how has that affected your mental health and how has that create how has that affected the the music that you've been able to make in the time that you have to make music? I know you're a busy guy.
1: Well, I mean, the big thing is like for me when I was using and I was messed up and stuff like when I was touring, it was because of the tour life. It was because of the live atmosphere And what I've noticed when I got older is I just, I don't really enjoy the live side of things. Um, So for me and the mental health side, it was actually is really horrible for me (laughs) it was horrible for me to know that i had to be out there performing just so people knew who we were and it's still like that it's still hard for me i can make a record with my band and then i know though we have to go tour for people to buy records um it's a necessary evil and i think that um mental health wise though i'm able to understand where that anxiety comes from understand where the depression and, and this feeling comes from that you know not being home with my kid and stuff and being back out on the road stuff like this Um, it keeps me straight knowing that I need to be healthy in that way too. So mentally I can kind of encapsulate it and say, okay, I know this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard when I have five tour dates coming up. I know I'm going to be away from my family, but instead of like just drinking and getting wasted to try and numb those feelings, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to try and do the right decisions while I'm on tour to keep my mental health stable. And I think that that's really the hardest thing in the DJ scene, the dance scene, you are by yourself. This is one thing we have to remember. When you're in a band or you're, you're with a tour group, like a group, you have people around, you have friends, you have people you can talk to. When you're a DJ, you are literally, it's you against the world in a different country, a different culture around people that just want the same crap from you every single day. And you're going to venue after venue after venue, doing the same stuff every night. And for the mental health side of it, you start really losing grip on who you are as a person. You start really losing grip because you're, you're just this touring act. You're just this touring artist by yourself and you get so lonely. And I mean, you know, and I don't have much of a need to really, I'm a pretty isolated person. Anyhow, you know, I'm not like, I'm not Mr. Happy, happy Georgia going out and being super extrovert and going to parties all the time. Anyhow. But even for me, that's like a studio body. I still, it was lonely. It was, you know, there's a misery to that. So, um, I think of one of my clients, actually DJ tennis. Um, he's, he's a huge DJ in the techno scene. And I mean, this guy tours more than anyone I've, I think I've ever met. I mean, he is just constantly on tour, but he still keeps a smile on his face. He's still like so in it to win it. And he just loves what he's doing. And you can see it while he's playing and stuff. And I'm just like, I just, I, all the power too. I don't know how he can maintain. He's done this for so long too. And I mean, I, I tell him that and it's just like, you know, and and you can see that. So mental health becomes a thing you have to keep track of. And, you know, as any artist, mm-hmm. you know, And
0: I think you touched on a good point or at least sparked a good, good, good question or a good note too, is that like the guys or you know, the artists, not just guys, like, you know, the, the performers and the artists that are at the top of their game, right. DJ tennis, I'm I'm well familiar with him. I've seen him play a few times and Steve Aoki's and stuff like that. Right. They make it look super easy, But they also likely have a very, very specific kind of personality and like drive type that is one in a million that allows them to perform like that or allows them to keep up that momentum and that lifestyle and everything. And just because they make it look easy doesn't mean that everyone who downloads a cracked version of ableton and has a dream of becoming a traveling dj can also do it and that's totally fine right that that's that's totally fine there's and there's a million ways to make a buck in the music industry i just think it's a it's um more people need to understand and set expectations that uh you know if they can actually handle if they can actually handle the touring life because honestly i don't i think uh, less than one percent of people, even who are chasing the dream, can actually like do it at yeah. the level, at the level it takes to be, you know, headlining tomorrowland stages and yeah, EDC yeah. stages and stuff like that. So um yeah I don't know. That's I think just it's a character. Just me thing.
1: I mean it's it's true though with anything in the industry and it, this this brings up a good point. We handle it at the studio this way. Like we have assistants at the studio and they're all learning to be record producers and there's a lot of times that they have so much talent or so much good ear on the music and so so much good technical know-how of compressors and equalizers and all this but then they don't have the character to direct or be a leader in the studio to the band you know what i mean and that's that's a sad thing because they're not born into that character and it's very hard to learn then that character to handle the stresses of the studio life and dealing with the artists you know, what I mean, and that's mm-hmm. that's a record producer character that, that some of it can be built. Some of it is just who you are. And that's the same thing with the tour life. You know, there's a character that's built into it. You have the energy, you have the um, kind of passion and the drive that some people might have for something else to go out there and do this, to be around people, to push through, to take stage, to deal with that adrenaline rush. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. um, some people can walk off the stage and they don't chase that adrenaline. And that's the the other big thing that's a problem for for artists falling into addiction is because you take off stage and then all of a sudden you have a natural high from this chemical rush of just sensation of adrenaline and serotonin and dopamine and you're playing and I mean, everyone's just loving it. And then you take off stage and it's just like your whole world crumbles because it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people start chasing that dragon, so to speak uh, yeah. there, you know, and that's where that character comes in, you know, like tennis, you know, he's straight. He's he's a, a, a very amazing businessman, too. And like the way he holds himself on the tour life is because I got to actually hang with him on the tour life too a little bit and seeing him on and off stage and then also doing with him as a, as a client of mine and an artist. He's the same person. It's this drive, this this strong character mm-hmm. to just be there for the moment and be able to handle it you know
0: Mm -hmm. are there any other lessons of watching him an artist at the top of their game that you've taken away from prioritizing mental health and just like physical health as well
1: yeah i mean one thing that's really unique about him is he he doesn't abide by what the scene's doing either he just does him and it's amazing um he just and he builds his own path in that way. You know, that, that I think is healthy. (laughs) I think that's very healthy, you know, as an artist, the sad thing is, and I mean, I get this a lot at the studio because I'm I'm producing a lot of pop music and you then have to deal with artists that they, they know that their purpose as a musician at that point is to be on the radio. It is a purpose, you know, and you see this deterioration of, of self- understanding as an artist in a lot of way, not all of them, a lot of them really live for pop, but there's some that just say, I want to make a million. I want to be on the radio, you know, and that's, it's a pipe dream, but mm-hmm. you know, you see then the deterioration of who they are, they, they, their mental health. then at that point, you can see it just kind of, way maybe i'm not good enough or then on the other flip side maybe i don't know who i am as an artist you know then mm-hmm. you got people like tennis that like he knows himself and not only that he, he doesn't give a shit and he's just going to do what he does as an as an artist and a musician and um you know the scene needs more of that but the the fact is the market and the listeners need to allow that more too you know yeah, people yeah. need to be willing to listen to more advent god so
0: Yeah, I think it kind of comes back to to the expectations that we were kind of riffing on of before, right? And like how there is no real template to success here. But but I mean, you watch all up and coming artists, right? Like or anyone trying to trying to give the music industry a good crack and have their their shot at making a career in it are going to watch YouTube and they're going to find the top five tips for finding success in the music industry. And then they're going to go and top five tips for finding the original, your original sound and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden uh, they're going to set the expectations that they want to, be a full-time DJ. They want to headline Tomorrowland. They want to blah, blah, blah. And then this is the one route that it's going to take to do that. And all of a sudden that sets expectations, um, and also kind of forces you down a road, uh, that, uh, like a path that might not even work for you. Right. And so that all of a sudden you're not measuring up to the expectations that, uh, that, you would set for yourself when really if you just to kind of do your own thing, it takes the pressure off of it, right? Because it's, you're kind of just yeah. trusting your gut, which is a lot, takes a lot of weight off your shoulders as long as you kind of trust yourself. Uh, and, and then it kind of removes all the expectations and lets you just kind of blaze your own trail.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's a – so there, I've talked about this a few times too on interviews is there's a, a difference between inspiration and and to compare yourself. And one thing I find too with the younger generation coming in is instead of being inspired by an artist, they actually start to compare themselves to the artist, compare themselves to Skrillex, compare themselves to these huge names. And what happens then is you immediately start to devalue yourself just because you aren't that artist. You aren't that – person and instead you should be inspired by what they've done but from that mold your own path find who you are through that inspiration you know what i mean and that's kind of the cool thing of the sample pack industry like circling full back here to like black octopus and stuff um to find that inspiration isn't literally just to take the whole song starter kit put it all together and then release that track but we have seen this happen yeah, <laughs> we have good. seen this happen so many times but um it's it's about grabbing that sound and then maybe it's a style that doesn't even belong in trap or belong in hip hop or whatever and and putting it in there and then you're inspired in a way that you never would have been before if it wasn't for that sample mm-hmm. and you know that's that's the thing is to just to ride that inspiration that way you know both through sounds and then also by the artists that you look up to you know inspire um but don't just start sitting there and just saying oh i'm not good enough or you know i'm i'm never going to be that you know, <laughs> that's yeah. that's always the worst idea. And jealousy comes into play and like this whole thing, you know, it's a nasty world to jump into.
0: Yeah, totally. But I mean it's 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 one that it's it's the it's the game that people just assume that you have to play but I don't think yeah. it is, right? Because you can just kind of, yeah. you can certainly blaze your blaze your own trail. Um, yeah. All right. So we're kind of winding down on time. Usually try to keep these kind of short and sweet to a half hour or so. But um, it, in closing, I always like to ask, is there anything that I, I you wish I would have asked you? Is there anything that I, I should have asked you or any other just like final last words that uh, you want to kind of share to the to the listeners about, you know, health, mental health, physical health, and all of it and how, you know, staying on top of it all can better your career in the music industry?
1: I think, I mean... Really, you said it best, going back to the whole, how are you going to see yourself in 10 or 15 or 20 years? I think that's something that we, when we're younger, we think of ourselves in a success state. How am I going to see myself touring in 10 or 15 years? Am I going to be huge and successful? But no one ever thinks is, how am I going to be using my lungs and heart and organs? You know, and like, how am I going to think of my health, the actual being, the actual body? You know, they live in this dreamland of fantasy. So I think that, The only thing I can say is, is when you consider yourself in the future and you consider what you're doing with yourself as a musician or an artist, also take into consideration of how you're going to be doing that physically, how you're going to be doing that as, as a human and keeping that body going and biologically and, you know, just, yeah, just staying on top of your health through that, because not only will you be able to do it longer, but you'll be doing a lot better, you know, and that's, that's the important thing there.
0: Alright, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that short and sweet episode with Slade from Black Octopus Sounds. He's a humble guy, and seeing as we spent most of the time talking about the music and the health side of his life, he completely omitted the fact that he wrote one of the best-selling horror novels. It's called Truth in the Shadows. I highly encourage you to check it out, either in book form or in the audiobook, which he's putting the finishing touches on as we speak. But that's all for now. See you in another couple weeks for another episode of the Magnetic Meetings Podcast. Sometime between now and then, head over to pointblankmusicschool.com and check 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 out everything this premier music school has to offer. Remember that it's not just for producers and would-be professionals. Point Blank can help you learn to DJ, manage artists in this industry, they even started their own podcasting course. The point is, whether you want to be playing big festivals, signed to your favorite labels, playing at your local club, or just making the music that's in your head, Point Blank has you covered. We'll be back in a few weeks, that's all for now.